Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another Dishyotic Confusion Thursday Night Hangout. Yeah! Oh, my lord. I, of course, am your host, Charlie, and I'm joined once again by the prolific governor himself, Zilliots. Yeah! Ah! Ladies and gentlemen, this, of course, is the Thursday Night Hangout. This is a show uh, for you, where we try our I best to cover the topics that are most important to you. Um, and we want to create a dialogue with you during the show. If you haven't uh, given us a topic or a question yet, or perhaps you you figure one out in the middle of the show, just drop in the chat. We'll try to add it to the show. If, unfortunately, we do uh, not have enough time, we will add it to the beginning of next week's show. So There will always be another week. But, of course. Okay, so uh, recap real quick. Um, last week's show is not up. I know it's... Still on my computer. It it will be put up uh, quite soon. All right. So uh, let's jump into it. And the first thing is, Zelius, you've been playing a brand new game. What game are you playing? New World Gutsuru. The uh, I was gonna say fantasy MMO because so many are, but it's like fantasy set in basically a new world. Like think of like the colonial America type of setting but there's undead spirits and magic and stuff okay so um i of course have not played this game i've seen videos and i of course am, am basically living vicariously through zealous when it comes to this game uh but the but the biggest complaint that i've heard is the map and apparently like fans have taken upon themselves to build a map or something uh, I, I'm not sure. The map is fine to me. A mini map, maybe? I don't know. Oh, okay. So maybe what they're thinking of is, so when you're in game, you know, you're playing, you're going around, you're clicking. Yep. Like, it's the um, Skyrim style where you have like your um. Oh, oh, your, the 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 bar at the top. Yeah, the bar at the top. But for me, it's never an issue because you have your so you press tab or five, whatever your key is, right? Yep. You pull up your map. And from there, you see all of your quests, like in a regular Atlas map, like any other game. And they're all there. And you can very easily pin and unpin your quest, meaning like they'll show up or not show up on your... I, I don't know what it's called when it's actually on the HUD. Um, that type, Like the compass map, right? Right. And so what I've been doing, which usually works pretty well, if like I'm in Everfall, for instance, that's like one of the main six, you know, quest hubs. I go there, I collect my quest, I collect my faction quest, and I only pin my quest for Everfall. And so when I'm looking out, like at my compass HUD, um, like it tells you, like, you know, you got your little arrow pointing down, like true north kind of. Mm -hmm. And if you just rotate your character... Now it's like, you know, lined up with quest number three. So if you just run forward towards quest number three, guess what? You're now on your most direct route to quest number three based on the compass HUD. Um, and also if you right click on, so if you have like, let's just say three quests and you right click on the main Atlas map, it'll drop your own personal marker. So now you know which way you're going. So for me, it's just a matter of really just, manipulating it in a way that actually works well. I think it's fine. I don't have an issue with it. Um, the biggest complaint people have is there's a whole hell of a lot of running in the game. Um, 
I mean, they're pretty decent sized maps and you're running around a lot. <laughs> and so that's most people's complaint is the amount of running you have to do. And you can only be attuned to one end. And it's not like other MMOs where you're spending like level one through 10 in, you know, Westfall and then level 10 through 20 in the next zone. Like you're kind of level like up in four zones on levels one through 25. If you're going that side quest route. So that's where it could be having to jump around from different zones can just be a lot of time running around. But that's not an issue with the map. That's just the way they made the game to be very open and spacious and force you to, you know, see the world and force you to do a lot of uh, gathering and crafting and stuff like that. So I don't know what the issue with the map is. It's fine for me. Well, I, uh, according to an article I found, it said that uh, many to most players uh, keenly feel the lack of a mini map. And so there's somebody out there who has apparently created his very own mini map uh, that basically while he you're in town, uh, it tracks exactly where you are and where things are. It's really not that bad, I think. I mean, honestly, I don't have an issue with it. Well, Celius, you're you're an old school gamer, okay? You're you're used to not having all the amenities. You can you can survive. You played in games before everything was handheld. I mean, but, by by oh. handheld, I meant you're there. The game is holding your hand to bring you from point A to point B. So I'd also say two things. One is the towns are small, man. It's like you know you think of like a game like World of Warcraft or you know, Final Fantasy, where you get some pretty large cities where you could get lost. Like, the towns in this game are like two avenues. Like, you basically have two streets horizontal, two streets vertical, and that's basically the size of your city. Like, oh! What if I'm on the wrong street? Oh, no! Walk, take 30 seconds, literally, to get to the... Like, the maps aren't like this. The maps in the country are pretty big to traverse, but the actual towns, like... Hard to get lost, honestly. Uh, but 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 I I I don't know exactly where I'm going. And if you open up your map, like press tab, open up your map, you can actually still move while your map is open, and you don't see your character. But I don't see my character. character. Oh God! On the map. I you know I'm, I'm so confused. I. I mean, I could see where a mini map, like the little you know right hand corner, would be convenient. I just don't think it's necessary, honestly. Like, with the way they did the compass HUD and, you know, you can mark stuff. Like, even when you're in town, like, when you're in town, it can get a little bit confusing sometimes, I'll say. I'm like, ah, it's confusing. There it is. There it is. Confusing. You lost me. It's like, I mean, it's the Skyrim way, right? You have the compass HUD. And then you press tab to open up a large map to be like, okay, kind of get yourself familiarized with everything is. And it's really not that bad. Uh, I'm lost. The hardest part I have is you have like in town, like six or seven different like crafting stations. And I'll get mixed up on where exactly they are. So like you have to go craft leather to be able to finish creating a spear or something or craft your ignits and smelt stuff to go make your spear. I forget like where the smelter in the crafter is. So then go back to my, that's when you need a mini map. Oh, 
No, I, I I understand. I mean, I, I just, you know, like I said, Zelius and I have been playing games forever. And uh, in uh, one of the games that, well, actually, that does does have a mini map in it. I was about to say, uh, Nino Kuni, uh, I get lost a lot, but but that's because the map isn't good at like sp- sp- three dimensional space. Ah. So it's like you need to go this way, but by this way, it means that it's actually one. It's you got to take a staircase somewhere else to oh, get yeah. up to that spot. So you'll be walking around going, I'm here, but where, what am I supposed to do? You know what game I absolutely hated this map on? It was Nier Automata. The map. And it's very Never much played it, so. What? It, Never played. It's very much, you know, you have 3D dimensional traver- traverse the terrain of like, you know, you might have a, you know, rooftop, but then there's also a subterranean. Mm-hmm. And oh. figuring out like where they intended to go. Yeah, the map is terrible. There was... There was a game I played recently where they that that was one of the issues where you're you're on the map and you're thinking you're in the right place, but you're not. You're either too high or too low. And so like I looked at I looked up, you know, like help and stuff. And it's like if if you notice uh in game there's actually a uh a point of interest that pops up and it has a little if if you're above it, it'll have a an itty bitty extra piece below that. Or if mm. you're below it, it's an itty bitty extra piece above. I'm like, how the hell do you tell? It's like a it's a small little line. It looks like, whatever. But yes, well, I, funny, I the old day of playing um World of Warcraft when I first played it, mm-hmm. and there's like a mini map, right? And then I remember I got the Stormwind, and like the mini map went away. I originally thought that, like, oh, okay, there's no mini map in large cities. That's an interesting design decision, but whatever. Right. I could pull up a large map and eventually figure my way. I mean, you're talking large cities to get oh, lost yeah. in. Then I upgraded my computer. I'm like, oh, nope, my computer just can't handle being in stormwind and rendering the mini map at the same time. Because doesn't it doesn't it um, populate everyone who's there? Yeah. So like yeah. in your mini map, you will also see markers for people which i would have to say would be actually kind of interesting to see in um new world because one of the little gotchas Mm -hmm. is for the marketplace the marketplace is um relevant only to that town so there's like 10 town i don't know how many towns there are but if there's 10 towns in the game like if you want to get the best price in the super gauntlets of plus eight, you'd potentially have to go to 10 different towns to find the best deal. It's not like a centralized auction house like a lot of games. Right? I know. So you're telling me there's no centralized auction house. You have to go a shit ton of different places to craft. You can't just go to the craft table. There's right. no mini map. Oh my God. Is there any indicator over people's heads to tell me if they've got a quest or not? Yes, there are. Oh, thank God. Uh, it actually, like, if you're in a town and, like, you have to hand in a quest, it's one of those where you'll see, like, in the background, you'll see, like, a green light, like, shining up from a guy. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, he gets, not only, uh, he's getting, like, the, the heavenly highlight. Yes. So. Nice. Yeah. Um, it's, 
it's an interesting game. It's definitely it doesn't hold your hand like a lot of MMOs do. Um, you know, especially. Do you think that's going to be detrimental, or you think it's going to be beneficial in the in the long run for to retain I think, users? I think for the audience it's looking for because it's much more into creating your experience than it is giving you only one experience. Um, I think the real question is, is are they going to be able to expand on what the game has now? Meaning like a lot of, you know, MMOs, you kind of get to the end game and kind of the end game right now is PVP for territory. But is there going to be other stuff that you're adding onto the game? It has a lot of potential, I think, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, It has, I think, a great foundation. Um, The question is, will they be able to, you know, make that persist? Um, and with the resources Amazon behind it, it should. Or are they going to pull the good old... Uh... We don't know with Amazon, because you know with Google, right? Like, let's just say New World was a Google product. Yeah. I would not be surprised if I were to wake up tomorrow and Google's like, nope, we're done. And you'd be like, oh, it's Google. Okay. Whereas I know Amazon has had a, let's just say, check it history with video game releases. Uh, but this is really the very first actual real release they've had yeah um so that's where you know are they going to keep with it um i think that's the big question i think if they keep with it and they can put put out content you know like a final fantasy 14 or a world of warcraft where they come with regular scheduled content um whether it be more pvp or more pve more crafting um, then yeah, I think so. It's the only, it's one of the few MMOs I've played where crafting is actually useful and interesting too, which is kind of cool. There you go. Uh, so. ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to take a quick pause. I'm, uh, I'm going to try to fix my headphones real quick. Cause I know that some people who are tuning in are probably hearing like a, like a, a digital, um, kind of squeak from time to time coming off of Zelius. So I'm seeing if I can, if I switch off Bluetooth and go strictly to wired. If, oh. if that will fix it. Uh, so if you'll give me just a second, I'm going to grab my uh, my other headset real quick. Yeah, I've always found that like Bluetooth, when it comes to headsets with both a microphone and the receiving, in live time can be super finicky. Like if you're in like a phone call conversation where it's just like one-on-one, you're fine. Um, but the second you get into that, it gets weird. That's why like if you look at the xbox or the playstation or hell even the switch it comes to native bluetooth communication between both the headphone and the headsets they don't usually support it natively and it's because there's usually kind of some kind of crazy delay um i even noticed on the Macs where if you try using bluetooth for your microphone and your headset and they're not the magic AirPods. They could do really weird auditory things. Um, yeah, Bluetooth is just kind of, it's a useful protocol, but it's also kind of trash. One second. Let me see if this works. Hold on. Oh no, he's taking off the headset. It is not accurate. Oh no. Yo. Hold on, I'm trying to get it to work. Hold on. <laughs> Mr. Charlie is very perplexed about the headphones and what is happening. Okay, there we go. 
Did you get it? Yep. Now I'm now I'm over. Uh, now I've switched over to Wired. Blaine Humphreys, greetings. Oh my gosh, it's a Blaine! The one, the only, the legendary Blaine. Uh, so, just for recap, do you think that this game has legs? Has what? Will this? Will you be playing this game long time, or do you think that it's going to be one of those shiny new things, and once you get really into it, you'll be like, meh. I'm okay. Yeah, I definitely think I'm going to continue playing it for a bit longer. I don't know what that looks like. Um, I'm getting close to being able to play one of the first dungeons, so I'm going to see what that's like, because um, that's usually MMOs. That's kind of my bread and butter is doing dungeons and stuff like that. So, yeah, no, it's it definitely has potential to keep me interested for a while longer. Um, one of the things I like is each of the weapons has a very different gameplay style to it. Um, is it class driven? It's weapon driven, meaning you have one character, and basically each weapon is basically a different class. Gotcha. So, for instance, but you alternate between the two. So, for instance, I use life staff for like healing and nature damage, but then I alternate between that and a warhammer, which is like a slow warhammer which stuns people. But then you have like rapiers, you have sword and shields for your tank, you have muskets, you have bow and arrow, you have fire staff. So you have quite a variety of weapons they can use. You know, like if you're not in combat, you can alternate at will too. So like once you're not fighting, you just can switch, you know, open up your character palette and just change your weapon at will at that point. Um, yeah. So that's, I like how each weapon is very different uh, that you can try out and see what you think and really give it a joy. Uh, the game is New World. New World, Mr. Blaine Humphreys. Which I've been playing quite a bit um, since I've released. Um, it does take a while to level up. It is not an expedited process, one may say. Uh, so, actually, speaking of leveling up, uh, if you turn, tune into last week, you rem remember me saying I just started Noni Kuni 2. Uh, and I had put probably, I don't know, eight hours into it-ish, I think. Yeah, so I'm at 50 hours now. Good Lord! Yeah. I put some time in. Uh, you have more time to play video games than me somehow. It's called Smoke Breaks. That, and it's a little bit misleading, because once you get far enough into the game... Uh, the the amount of time that you play, uh, the you you're basically building a city, and your city accumulates uh items and money while the game is on. So it's a little but misleading because things have to be on to accumulate. Yes. Ah. It's it's game time, not not actual like real world time. So you just kind of leave the game on so it can accumulate. There there are times where I just listen to the music and, and just let it go. Anyways. That makes sense. Hooray! Sticks on a plane! It's now on Twitch. Okay, so let's change to the next subject. The next subject, once again, ladies and gentlemen, is something that is all about Zilius. And that is, my friends, Overwatch. Or, Overwatch. or let's be let's be a little bit more specific here. 
they are slowly, slowly, slowly releasing more and more information about Overwatch 2 and the changes that you're going to see. Of course, the, the big one is uh, switching from 6v6 to 5v5, which will take one of the tanks out of the equation. With that being said, they will have to tweak characters. Oh, yes. So I have a list. Uh, I've got a small list of a couple of the characters they, they're going to tweak. I'm going to read it off to you, and then I'll let Zelius give you some commentary about it. The first one is a character by the name of Winston. Winston has a new alt fire, a long-range charge up electric shock attack that makes him a threat at greater distances. Additionally, allies can now see the health points on his bubble shield when they look at it. Uh, Reinhardt can make use of two fire spikes and can cancel his charge. Ooh, that's actually kind of nice. Uh, Zarya now has two barrier charges that she can throw onto allies or onto herself. My, uh, Mai's primary fire will no longer completely freeze enemies, just slow yeah. them. The primary fire can still affect multiple enemies, and her ultimate will still freeze enemies. And so the, a little less CC from her, because she can be one of the more obnoxious characters. So my, like May, whatever, Blaine, gah. Uh, and then finally, the, the last one, I, I, I'm sure that they've got a lot more, but I just grabbed uh, five of them real quick. So the last one is Bridget. Uh, Bridget's shield won't stun enemies anymore. It will, let's see here. She could, she could shield bash like Reinhardt, Sigma, and many others. Uh, however, to compensate for the lack of stun effect, she will have, the, the, it will deal more damage. It will have a reduced cooldown, travel further, and even trigger Bridget's Inspire passive. See, funny thing is, like, that basically destroys Brigitte's current play because her main strength is basically kind of chilling with your back line and basically being a counter to other enemy ults like a um, Reaper coming down or a Genji. And so that was one of her big strengths was basically being protection, but now she really doesn't have a way because you could stun them out of those ults. But now without being able to stun them, you've basically eliminated that utility which was a large part of your utility. Uh, it sounds like the other tanks like Azaria and Ryan and Winston, they're buffing, which is peculiar to me because basically by eliminating it down to one tank, you now basically have to buff the tanks to compensate that. But now you're basically going to have one role, which is potentially more important um, to an overall team success than the other roles. So you're really kind of tilting that balance as far as both carry potential and losing potential, depending on that tank role. Um, so I personally not a fan going down to five because I think it alters that landscape a little bit too much. Okay, for those uh -huh. out there who do not play Overwatch either in its current iteration or apparently it's this upcoming iteration, Zealys, give me a breakdown of we we we've uh. Overwatch 1 is a 6 versus 6 uh, PvP battle. Overwatch 2 is reportedly be 5v5. In the 6v6, there are two tanks, uh, which are basically yeah, your, your meat shields, right? 
So for years, you did it for the first couple of years, you actually didn't have what's called roll queue, meaning that basically it was a known strategy to basically have two tanks, two DPS, and two support slash healers to give a good, well-balanced team. But that is also, in a way, then, what Blizzard balanced the game around was that type of strategy. And now they've implemented for the main competitive queue. I mean, it's been that way for, again, a year or so, I guess. I don't know how long, but quite a while, where the normal roll queue, queue style of competitive play is 2-2-2. Two, two, two. two tanks, two DPS, two supports. And now they've basically made it so that now they have to bounce around one less tank in the matches and to compensate thereof. Um, so I think it's an interesting strategy, I guess you could say. Is it, uh, do you think that this will make the games quicker? It could if you have less, I guess, turtle shielding. Um, yes, it could in that regard. Um, this is true. So it could make them not as stalemate I suppose. Because um, I feel I like that's, that's, like, that's the new thing is that you want challenge, but you don't want it to go on forever. I don't think reduce the number of tanks is the best way of doing that personally. Um, you could have changed their shield health. You could have changed the map layouts. I don't know. I'm just not a fan. How about of just give us new, give everyone new maps or new characters? How about this that? is true. Yes. Um, you can change the win conditions of games. So I think there's other ways of doing that than basically change. Because it also, I think, kind of puts them into a hole for balancing for the duration of the game. Because uh, now you're stuck with kind of that one tank meta. And I think it's also going to create a much more toxic gameplay environment, meaning that, you know, usually tanks or support already got blamed for a loss. And now when you lose a game, I think having one tank is going to make that, it's going to be much easier to flame or be malicious towards that one tank because you have only one person to blame in that role. So it's easier to point a finger at them. Uh, Blaine says uh, everyone complains when they're forced into a tank. So this is probably a way to make players happy if it means they can have more DPS characters on a competitive team. It's not that they're going to have more DPS, it's just going to have less tanks. So as Zelia said, I think that actually puts more pressure on the individual who does get suckered into being the tank. Uh, as I've stated many, many, many times, I dabble ever so slightly into PvP games like MOBAs and whatnot. But usually when there are assigned roles, I usually have to check out because I just can't take the stress, man. Uh, even if it's, look, there's a thing called competitive play and there's casual. Do if, if it's, if we're playing casual, don't try to, you know, bite my head off because maybe it's the first time I've ever, you know, I'm trying it out. Okay. In competitive, sure. Go at it. Stairs and Paladins. Yes. Pa Actually, no. I never played a tank in Paladins. I've always played Flank. When was the last time you played Paladins? I have no idea. Many, many eons ago? No, it's probably been mm, a little bit under a year. I think I popped on there for a second, trying to remember how to play, and then I was like, Aah! and then I stopped. Uh, 
I've played Paladins more recently than I've played Smite. Even though, because I, I have uh, Amazon Prime, I get those Prime rewards through Twitch. So nice. I've been getting all those awesome skins for Paladins and Smite, although I don't log in. Don't we have like the lifetime skin thing already from Smite? We have the the lifetime God release, not the skins. Uh, that, that's probably what I'm picking up then. Yeah, we it, uh, for those who play for free, there's a God rotation, or at least there was back in the day when we played. Before there was like a bajillion and 97 gods uh, or uh, demons or... So do you still have to buy gods to release them if you don't have the lifetime thing? I... I don't know how that works. I'm not exactly sure. You know, you, you just go to smitegame.com. You can find out find all the information out. there. That sounds like it's a lot of reading, man. Can you just... Oh, boy. Zelius and reading. Okay. Moving on to the next topic. This is for you, Zelius. I'm making this show all about Zelius, ladies and gentlemen. This is just my... This is my wicked, twisted, awesome dream. I'll drink to that. Yeah, there you go. Uh, the So Zelius brought up reading text, and that's one of the things that Zelius rather not do in a game. Uh, I'm assuming that if the text was coupled with voice acting, you'd probably be a little bit better? Uh, yes. If it's voice only then I actually just skip it. Like I need actually to have text on screen to read. So you need closed captions. Yeah. I need to have closed captions with my text in my games. Um, but like when I played like, for instance, Scarlet Nexus, I watched the entire story. Basically. I did. I did too. Um, as hokey as it was at times, I still tried. I maybe fast forward through some of the, um, friendship slide, building, the, what the friendship building stuff. Yeah. Some of those I'm like, okay, Okay. Yep. Skip. Skip. Okay. I get it. You love flowers. Yes. I know you love flowers. Okay. You really love flowers. You're a super botanist. Got it. Mm -hmm. Moving on. Some are much more interesting than others. So, uh, the game I'm playing currently, uh, Nino Kuni two, they definitely have voice acting. They've definitely, I mean, it's, it's like studio Ghibli, uh, scenes like cutscenes. but the thing that drives me nuts is that when you're when you're having a scripted conversation between you and another main NPC, there are times where it is vocalized. There's there's an actual uh, you know di- uh, audible dialogue, but then there's other times where they literally just make a random noise uh, or a, a random word. Huh? Ah, I see. And then you have to read the rest of it, or to really screw with you they'll say the first two words of the stuff and then the rest of it you have to read. Oh, yeah, I know that. I it's like the, the, the script says, oh, I see. It is time for me to do this. And so you hear, oh, I see. And I'm sitting there waiting for him to read the rest yep. and it never happens. Uh, an RPG I was playing, action RPG, um, Last Epoch does that. Mm-hmm. And so you have the text on the screen and my favorite is like when the noise that the NPC plays has like nothing to do with the quest line. They're like, we just discovered that there's a rift in the world that's going to create a black hole and kill everyone. And the NPC's noise is like, ha ha. I'm like, yeah, that doesn't line up with how it seems. That's what really throws me off is when that happens. So my question is, 
So you have a game where you have both spoken and non-spoken dialogue. When DLC comes out for those games, are you expecting more of the same, or do you think that that DLC, that it'll be a little piece of the pie, should be all the important parts should be vocal or, or, or audibly heard? Honestly, probably the same. Honestly, I'm probably not going to remember what's the what the first game did. And so it'll be a whole new experience to me. It's like a whole new world. Well, let's say that you bought the Game of the Year edition with all the DLC already into it. That's fair. I, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think that it'd be... First of all, many of the games that you play where you have the, ga- the Game of the Year edition, it's not going to just give you a visual indication. By the way, this is the DLC section. This wasn't the original game. So it would be a little weird if there's specific sections that were, I mean, yes, it's going to, it might potentially, hopefully cross your fingers, be more polished in certain ways, but it would be a little bit weird if, you know, you, you're spending half your time with like uh, audible dialogue and the rest you got to read. And then all of a sudden there's this hour and a half chunk where everything is spoken. You're going, what the fuck? Yeah. So I hear that, you know. But uh, yeah, as I said, I've got over 50 hours in Nino Cooney. Uh, spent way too much time on it. But <laughs> Snicks on the blade says, gotta love voice actor contracts. I, I'm sure I've never actually seen one. I've I've offered my services up to some games, but uh, for some of the voices I do, but nothing's really truly come of that. But I understand. I mean, I here's the thing: at the end of the day, we're talking we're talking about the fact that this game, most games are going to be international, so there is a good likelihood that. <laughs> Blaine says, if you voice a game, I'm instantly buying that on day one. Well, Blaine tells someone and I nice. will voice their game. Because I could do quite a few voices. It bugs the shit out of Zelius, and that's why I do them. Uh, I appreciate it. Huh? Maybe you should do that like as part of your ultra confusion work, because this is like part of the gig is making noises. Making noises or voices? Yeah. Voices. Which sound like noises sometimes. Well, I actually, I actually did that on a couple of games, a couple of indie titles that I played. Oh gosh, a couple of years ago, where there was a lot of dialogue, and so I just started just reading it because I was like, God, there's a lot of dead air while I'm streaming a game. So I just started I making up voices. Um, see, uh, Blaine remembers this. I can't remember what the name of the game was, but. I, w- I had to come up with, it was one of the games you we were repping, but uh, I want to call it like, is that Overfall maybe or something? I don't know. Anyways. Um, oh, I remember, no, I remember that it was like, that it was a squad based FPS game, right? No, no, no. That I did that yeah. one, but then there was another one uh, that was like a turn based strategy game that was weird. Mm. <laughs> Sam Grizzle, Battlefield Charlie. I need a medic pack. Nice. Aha, overfall. I was right. Anyways, um, 
the reason why I ask is that I, ex- I accidentally, so I went on a steam sale, which is always a very, very potentially scary idea. Zelius knows what I'm talking about. I think everyone knows what I'm talking about. When you go on a Steam sale, there's a good chance that you might get more crap than you were uh, thinking you were going to get. Or there's a very good chance that you get truly suckered into one of those deals where it's like all of this publisher's stuff in one package with 75% off. And then you only play like one game. So I was playing uh, Nino Kuni 2 and... I apparently rolled into the DLC at some point because all the info screens, all like in in the game, they, they throw up a lot of info, uh, like help screens mm-hmm. to say, okay, here's a new piece to the game. And then you get to page through a couple things. And it's in in like the, the, the title bar in parentheses is DLC to make damn sure you know that this is not part of the original game. Don't be confused, sir. We want to make sure you know exactly what is happening. Exactly. All right. So um, let's pause for just a second and do a do a voice pack for Palanzer Smite. You know, yeah, I do know Rick Wood. Um, I might reach out to him. Why not? Uh, I'm going to pause for just a second. Ladies and gentlemen, this, of course, we uh, want to give some love and, and attention to those who give us love and attention. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's stop for just a second and give the shout-out for the friends of the show. The first, of course, is going to be the Indie Cluster. The Indie Cluster is an organization of independent game developers that want to gain exposure by being involved in the community. They collectively journey to popular conferences as a traveling booth to help gain attention for their games. They make partnerships in local communities to bring games to the mainstream mindset. They highlight local, unusual, and rare concepts to challenge the paradigm of the common. They also host events to teach kids and minority groups about game development to hopefully one day enter the industry themselves. If you'd like more information, go to indiecluster.com. That's I-N-D-I-E-C-L-U-S-T-E-R.com. Now, of course, the next shout-out has to go to Noodleboy Media. Noodleboy Media, founded in 2015 by Andrew Tran, Noodleboy Media, previously known as Whack Kid 47 Media, is your choice for professional photo shoots and panel recordings at conventions. They pride themselves in providing a high level of professionalism, top-notch experiences, and quality services. If you want more information and to view their full list of services, check out facebook.com slash noodleboymedia. And finally, I have to give my shout out every single week to a man who has done wonders for both myself and my son. That, of course, is Hero Chiropractic. Hero Chiropractic is a unique healthcare practice set up by Ryan Moore, the company's focus to elevate a patient's experience of freedom, creative expression, and joy. They believe that everyone can be a hero and has incredible heroic potential inside themselves waiting to be unleashed. Hero Chiropractic focuses on mobile chiropractic care in the greater Atlanta area. They are committed to healing clients by creating a plan of action uniquely suited for each person. They make that plan of action as convenient and affordable as possible, and most importantly, suited to your individual needs. For more information, go to HeroChiropractic.com. 
And yes, I believe that is a Gandalf Funko in the background with Ryan. Nice. Uh, and, and and just for those out there, uh, those are those are just a couple of my Funkos in the back. Uh, there's more on the side. I think I'm up to two seventy something. But that's besides the point. Is there a point? Now, ladies and gentlemen, since we did the friends of the show, let's do some quick information. Uh, uh, housekeeping with Alter Confusion. So the first thing and the most important thing is, ladies and gentlemen, for the tenth year straight, Alter Confusion is proud to say that we will be fundraising for Extra Life. Extra Life is gamers doing what they do best, game, to help sick and injured children at their chosen Children's Miracle Network Hospital. The money that we raise through Extra Life will go directly to our chosen hospital, which of course is Children's Healthcare of Atlanta, as unrestricted funds. This means that the hospital decides where and how to spend the money to ensure the dollars you ra we raise make the biggest impact in the lives of the kids they treat. So if you have the capacity to donate, please go to extra-life.org and search for Alter Confusion. Now, if you do not have the ability to perhaps financially uh, support on Extra Life, or perhaps you want more information or form your own team, you still have time. The... All the information can be found on extra-life.org. The actual 24-hour gameathon, which is what I've what we do every single year, and I've done it. This will be my tenth year straight. Uh, it's on November six, I think. I don't know. It's November something. Anyways, I'll be playing. I'll be jamming with everybody. For yes, November sixth. Sweet, good. Uh, 24, 25 hours, depending if I catch the time change or not. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, one other thing that I need to do is uh, tell you all about the fact that we have a Patreon. Alter Confusion survives on the love and support of fans like you, and so we have a patron page. Patreon lets us, lets you, the fans, supporters, lovers, haters, demons, ghosts, aliens, demigods, uh, alternate world beings, and more to become active participants in the work we love through a monthly membership. What this gives you is, an ac is access to exclusive content, community, and insight into our creative process. In exchange, we gain a bit more freedom to do our best work, and hopefully the stability to build a stronger brand. So currently, there are two tiers that you could sign up for. They're both monthly uh, memberships. Uh, the first one is a it's $1 a month, which is $12 a year. And what that will get you is early access to all the playthroughs and the ability to take part in polls and communicate with Alter Confusion. Uh, and communicate with Alter Confusion behind the scenes. If you choose the next tier, which of course is $5 or $60 a year, not only do you gain those two previous privileges, but you also gain your name or organization in our thank you section for each Thursday night hangout. So if you have the ability to help support us, go to Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Altered Confusion, all one word. And as a treat, because I know that Sam loves for me to do this, ladies and gentlemen, if you uh, do not want to uh, basically financially support us, but you want to give us something to show off on the show or, per, or, show, or perhaps, you know, uh, help with my uh, Funko Pop 
addiction or give me a fancy Mountain Dew that's not readily available. By the way, if anyone wants to help a brother out, if you could give me some live wire, that would be amazing because that's just nowhere in uh, Georgia. And I think I found one place in Tennessee that I could get it. But anyways, so ladies and gentlemen, if you want to send something to Alter Confusion, all you got to do is send it to 1551 Dunwoody. That's D-U-N-W-O-O-D-Y Village Parkway. This is the next super duper important part. You have to put this in the address. That is number 88276. That number is the P.O. Box number. You don't put it on there. It does not get to us. So once again, number 88276. The city is Dunwoody. Once again, D-U-N-W-O-O-D-Y, Georgia, zip code 30338. Yes. And yes, I uh, let's see. Uh, Blaine says, I'll see if there are any rare Mountain Dews out here in the Bay Area. Yes, please. Thank you. you. You would. Thank you. I mean, there's nothing wrong with. Which is constantly, you know, clashing these two together. Delicious. Uh, mm. did, did I watch the 90 uh, Shatner launch into space? No, I did not. Sorry. You did not watch it either? No, I did not. Oh, All right. Uh, the next the next bit of news. Yeah, I totally, totally blanked. I, I forgot. Yay. Where no oh. 90-year-old geezer has gone before. How could you possibly forget? Oh, dear. This is the Starship Enterprise. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Um, the next bit, uh, our, our next topic... And I'm, we're probably going to be brief about this. There is a certain individual in professional sports that has come under a lot of scrutiny uh, for all the right reasons uh, because he has years and years of emails that contained uh, bigotry, racism, homophobic, homophobic responses, and, of course, misogynistic responses. That, of course, is the now ex head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders, which, by the way, is football, National Football League, uh, and that is uh, John Gruden. Now, he resigned as head coach, and these the funny thing is that these emails came out as a, as a result of a probe against another team in the league. Imagine that. But since this happened, of course, he has given in his letter of resignation. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have announced that they're removing his name from the Ring of Honor. And EA, here, come, here comes the video game aspect here. EA has made moves to remove all likenesses of John Gruden from Madden 22. So are they also going to remove, I don't know, likenesses of people who were involved in dogfighting, people who, you know, domestic abuse, people who uh, have gone to jail? Are they going to remove other people who actually did terrible things versus just words on a paper? No. Because you have to say, I mean, I have no problem with, to be honest, I have no problem with Gruden getting the can, whatever that happened. But it's completely, I look at it, it was basically a hit by the NFL executives who, for whatever reason, did not like John Gruden um, and very strategically released those um, emails to get him canned when there's other people who have done far worse such as the owner of the team that shall not be named, 
who is known to have forced people on his payroll to take new pictures. See, that this, okay. So if basically what happened was uh, there's a certain organization, a certain team in the National Football League uh, that has been under scrutiny forever because their, their owner is a douchebag. Uh, yes. Like an absolute grade A plus 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 douchebag, and so this is just a way to kind of be like, oh, look over there, look at all this bad stuff. Very true. I would and definitely please, not disagree with that. I, I, if anyone out there has any power in the NFL, just get rid of the fucking owner. The NBA did it. I mean, shoot, Sterling's no longer the owner of the Clippers, so why can't that individual not be the 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 owner of the what the fuck team? I know it's it's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. Now, this is a helpful reminder to everyone out there. You may have your own opinions. I voice my own opinions. Zelius hopefully voices his own opinions. Sometimes my opinions do not match up with Zelius. That's okay. Sometimes Zelius's opinions do not match up with mine. That's okay. Sometimes you may have differing opinions, but you have to understand that. Everything in this wonderful digital age, once it's out there, it's out there forever. Forever. Yep. It, I mean, the crazy thing is, is obviously the emails were found. I have an extremely, extremely hard time believing that uh, his emails were not the only sketchy ones that were in the Trevor Trovid emails. Um no, but for apparently, I have a really uh, hard time believing that the 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 executive at this football team is not as good as the owner with scrubbing their inbox. Is ah, what I've heard. Yes, yeah, yeah, that'll do it. It's all about the uh, how good are you at that stuff? Yes, yes. Okay, so we are going to, uh, you know, lots of hate finger pointing and everything in the NFL. Let's change it to lots of hate and finger pointing, but this time in the tabletop RPG realm. First there's of all, more. huh? There's more stuff yes. about tabletop RPGs. Yes. Of course, uh, for those of you out there who I'm not exactly sure how you tuned into our show, either you're listening to it via, uh, you're watching it live or you're listening to the podcast or the, or watching the video. Uh, there's this thing called Dungeons and Dragons and it was created. If you want to be technical by, you know, with, with the names on the, the first print by two individuals, Gary Gygax and Dave Arneson, Dave Arneson, uh, left the company, uh, TSR, which was, was run by Gygax until TSR went under, or got bought out, I should say. Um, and so here is, here's here's basically how it boils down. Dave and Gary hate each other. They they hate oh, each no. other basically. What Dave just wanted to play games, and Gary yeah. wanted to make money off said games, and so Dave left. And Dave had in his contract that he will get five percent royalty on all Dungeons and Dragons sales. So what does Gary do? He dicks him over and he gives him 5% of the sale of the books in ah. the starter set. So the starter set had, now of course this, if, if you have original starter set, that would like millions of dollars, but uh, you have the rule book, you have the, the, the dice, you have these geomorph tiles, basically just 
fancy pieces of paper that you could quickly use to to map out your adventure and and a book that had some like uh pre-gen monsters and treasures to help you start the game so the 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 estimate was that the book the book if sold by itself would be five dollars so instead of getting five percent off of the ten dollars because that's how much the the starting book or the starting set started uh, uh cost back in 1978 i think 10 bucks i'd love to be able to buy something for 10 bucks uh so instead of getting the five percent of ten dollars you only get five percent of five now of course, Dave Arson is doing a lawsuit. Guy Gygax is getting pissed because at the time, Dungeons and Dragons really isn't selling well. So that would cut a huge chunk into their profit margin. And so, as we're, as a fun little twist of a dagger, uh, the the general manager at the time, TSR's general manager, a gentleman by the name of Mike Carr, who is a long time, who was a longtime friend of Dave Arson. Uh, was asked to create a uh, an introductory module mm. into Dungeons and Dragons, and so basically mm-hmm. what they did is they took out uh, Gary Gygax decided to switch out the geomorph pieces and the the encounters slash treasure uh, prefab and put in Mike Carr's introductory module called In Search of the Unknown, and. They got a deal for Carr would get 2% of every box set sale. So the entire 10, he would get 2% of it, which, of course, they thought would stop Arneson from doing this lawsuit. But Arneson said, fat-ass chance of that, and, of course, continued (laughs) with his lawsuit. Now, here comes the fun part. Uh, At some point, something happened, and all of a sudden, Dungeons & Dragons started flying off the shelves. Oh, yeah. And when Carr uh, came to collect his 2% from every single sale, the business partner that uh, that wasn't Gygax, but the business partner to, for TSR uh, basically said, no, we can't give you that money because that's like way over a, a yearly uh, salary for anybody. But yeah. thankfully, they finally caved. Of course, Gygax's um, uh, solution was in 1980, he he got rid of Carr's in, uh, introductory module and created his own, which is called Keep on the Borderlands. And of course, so you cut out Arneson and now Carr out of the equation. Now, from my understanding, I, I, I've never seen the, the, the module uh, In Search of the Unknown, but it apparently was one of the best intro modules for like a tabletop RPG. Uh, so I'd be very interested to see what that is. Uh, now, if you want, the, the reason why I bring this up is that uh, there is a book that just got released called Game Wizards, The Epic Battle for Dungeons and Dragons by John Peterson, which I will be reading as soon as I get off the show. Uh, that's basically gives you a, uh, you know, a breakdown of exactly uh, Arneson and Gygax. Here is... A part where, you know, I just said, you know, everyone's opinion is their own. Here's my opinion on the situation. Dungeons and Dragons is Arneson's. Gygax just decided to help out Arneson, then stabbed him in the fucking back by creating a company so he can make money, and Arneson just wanted to play. I may be slightly biased because I actually knew Dave Arneson. Yeah. 
but at the same time, after reading like all this stuff and, and talking to him and listening to his friends and stuff, I'm sorry, but I'm side with Arneson, man. Now, if you, if, but of course, then there's a whole different layer if you want to go in. Well, is Arneson still a part of Dungeons and Dragons and Advanced Dungeons and Dragons? Or is that a whole new ballgame? AD&D, totally new. Has a TSR come back recently? No, I don't think so. I think a lot of their line has, I think that Wizards of the Coast have really tried to breathe new life into TSR. I don't think that Gygax. Uh, relatives would want that to be touched because that would probably open up a bunch more lawsuits. There's something on the wing! Something! Now, I, I think my old, um, what should we call it? Um, Dragonlance books say TSR on them still. Heck yeah. Oh yeah. The, the OG ones. Oh, Blaine is correct. They did come back. Um, they did shit. Huh. Have reincorporated. Will soon be launching a brand new sci-fi RPG called Giant Lands. Well, it's because they can't do. Uh, <laughs> Blaine says, but the guy running it is a right-wing nut job. Guy Gax was a nut job, so I don't. It's you know same old same old. Um, but of course, you know they can no longer. They they sold. Dungeons and Dragons, so they yeah, will. Yeah, you can't use the name what people actually know it for. But now it's going to be Giant Lands with giants with laser weapons, apparently. See, that's that a science, fa a science, science fantasy role playing game playable with pen, paper, and dice. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, if, if you're looking for something fun to play with uh, uh, a tabletop adventure, might I recommend. Any of the many games from Nurburger Games. Uh, Capers, Murza Acquisitions, uh, Die Laughing. Oh, what was it? Uh, Good Hands? Oh, that reminds me. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, for though, if you have the availability this weekend, uh, Saturday, October 16th through the 17th, I highly recommend... And of course, if you're a fan of Discord, because most of it's going to be through Discord, I highly recommend that you attend NerdBaggerCon 2. Is that this weekend? Yep. It's going to start Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time and will run until uh, the last game will start Sunday at 3 p.m. Uh, there are, let's see, one, two, three, it looks like there's four or five different games that are going uh, at a time. Uh, there's a low-stakes game. There's a Draculola, Capers, Off-World Pirates, Felt, Friendship, and Feelings. So, I mean, there's there's a bunch of different types of, of uh, pencil and paper RPGs. I attended it last year, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to swing it this year because uh, I have some other commitments. But if I can, I would love to jump in and... and uh, get to play with some of these games because it is a lot of fun and there's a very good chance I, I haven't really looked too far into it but there's a very good chance that you might be able to beta test something that's not out there and Ooh. as a result you might help shape uh, the future of that game nice but if I if I if looking through this the the one game that I would love to be able to do and I don't know like I said I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do it 
I would love to to do a Pugmire session with Eddie Webb. I feel like it. I don't remember if I actually played Pugmire. I think you own the first one, or maybe you own Monarch uh, Keys of Mal. I think somewhere in my house I have it. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, uh, if if you want more information, uh, Zelius, can you grab the uh, the URL real quick for? Uh, NerdBurgerCon. I might just be a Facebook page, but if you could just drop that in the chat, sir, that would be great. I lost my tab. Where'd my tab go? There you are. Whatever happened to AndoCon? Um, so, one, Ando no longer lives in Atlanta. He just moved to Denver uh, this year? Yeah, this year. Um, and as many a convention uh, organizer will tell you, uh, it costs lots of money, and unfortunately, Andocon really never turned a big enough profit for it to be feasible. Uh, they, we, the last time Andocon happened was through a Kickstarter, which was a lot of fun because I, I went there and I went to all of them. I recorded almost every single session I could get my hands on, and then I, I played a bunch of of the uh, a beta tested a bunch of games, uh, but unfortunately, it's just you know. It just costs a lot. And then, of course, you know, COVID does not help with uh, putting on conventions. Now, of course, NerdBurgerCon has always been online, so you got that going for you. And it's really, there's no panels. It's just check out this game, sign up for a spot. Um, you know, there's, there's. I'm trying to see if, they're, if they have, uh, like, user limits, but I don't see them on here. But anyways, check out NerdBurgerCon. Uh, it's awesome. If you have the time, seriously, sat this Saturday and Sunday, at least jump in and see if you could grab, get, get in on a game. Yes. All the games are, let's see, this one's two hours, four hours, two hours, four hours, three hours. So you're going to be putting some time in, uh, two hours. And some of the games, if everyone agrees, will be streamed. Uh, it looks like the, the going race probably two to four hours for the game, which to be honest with you, will fly by. And a lot of their details, if you actually join their Discord that they have on the link, they have like all the information with like the signups in Discord to all find there. So, hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. If you want in on this, find out the information about NerdBurgerCon and then get and then um, get your Discord user on there so you can catch all the latest and greatest. So much on Discord. I'm actually kind of surprised. I'm, I'm once again. I'm still looking over this. Uh, Did you actually print that? Uh huh. That's crazy. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five. I've I've backed a lot of the games that are being presented. Or if I if I haven't backed it, I I own copies of the game because I interviewed the uh, the creator. Mm. Nice. Now, speaking speaking with tabletop, of course, the 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 interesting thing uh, that kind of segue or basically adds on to the Dungeons and Dragons craziness is that there is a serious push by the international Dungeons and Dragons players, or I guess advanced Dungeons and Dragons players, uh, to remove the imperial system. From the game. 
So for those of there who don't know what the imperial system is, we're talking inches, feet, all that jazz. You know, the vast majority of the world uses like meters, centimeters, all that jazz. Uh, there are now only three countries that recognize the imperial system. So you're talking about, uh, yes, Dungeons and Dragons was created in, I think it was the, was it Wisconsin? Somewhere up there. That's where TSR that I saw in there, that's what's incorporated out of. All right. So it was it was basically started in Wisconsin. Uh, so, of course, it was U.S. Back in the day, super duper small, no world footprint. So, yeah, inches, feet, all that stuff. Very important to the game mechanics. How far is your magic bolt going to reach? How far away is the enemy? What is, you know, how close is my ally? Are they close enough where I could cast a spell? That kind of stuff. But the vast majority of the world, of course, uses the metric system. So I'll be very interested. To, I don't look at the end of the day. Wizards of the Coast don't have to do jack, okay? Because people here's here's the thing. There's a lot of people bitching and moaning about it, but people are still buying the product. So what is the incentive? The other thing is, uh, they are still very much, uh, you know like warehouses of their stuff. Yeah. Uh, so it's, you know, to have to have, to have to do like a, a mass reprint would be insane. Blaine says, I'll laugh so hard if Dungeons and Dragons is the thing that gets America to do the metric system. That would be funny. Hey, if, I, if Dungeons and Dragons that, was truly the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back. <laughs> Whatever it takes, because it would make life so much easier. Yes, it would. To be able to honestly just use the metric system. Well, because uh, the 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 rationale, of course, that they're showing is that you know you got you got players in Europe and India and and China and all over Asia and Africa and and they're all having to say um, there is a world where this happens. Um, it's crazy. Uh, there, you know, you they have to first of all. Dungeons and Dragons or, or, or a lot of tabletop RPGs or just tabletop games have a lot of heavy calculations in them. But then you then you add on the fact that there's a very good chance that you're going to have to do some sort of um, conversion so you understand what the hell the distance is and whatnot. So we'll see. I mean, I, it's it's an interesting thought. I mean, it if it happens, yeah. The U.S. will have to, you know, bow down to the metric master. Uh, maybe. I don't know. As it should be. I'm just saying. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, yeah. I, I know um, Zelius and I actually had this conversation, mm, oh boy, many, 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 many years ago. And that was, Dungeons and Dragons has way too many fucking calculations. We can make an easier game. And so we did, um, and we never came back. Um, well, I—that's not true. I, I've, I have played Dungeons and Dragons uh, and whatnot. Uh, Blaine yeah, says if a lot of games like it. Uh, Blaine says if a marketing company can prove that they'll sell more units globally by converting to the metric system, uh, Wizard of the Coast could seriously consider it. It would be costly to make localized rules and versions incorporating the different measurements, not just the text, but the rule tweaks too. True. But Mike, so the thing is with, with 
this is this is both the beauty and the curse of physical objects. Physical objects, you don't have to be connected to the internet. Uh, I love those days of single player games where I don't have to be online. But at the same time, if if but if it's a game, any mass change could just be pushed out in a patch. Whereas a physical product, a book with hundreds of pages, there Wizards of the Coast is not going to mail you an addendum or ask for you to mail your old copy in. They're going to say, you want the most up-to-date version, whatever version they're on now, then, you know, buy the new version. Because I've got... Doesn't that also mean, like, in theory at least, the versions that come out should be more complete and thought, thought through. I think there's very much mentality where it's all digital. It's just, like, early access everything. Yep. It's like, well, we're just going to release it early, and if it's uh, broken, we'll fix it later. No, eventually. Not later. Eventually. Maybe. Then you run into those games that never come out. Or so there is something to be said for the physical books of you have a final version that you're going to use. And you also don't have to worry about changing all the time. So there's a benefit to that. Dungeons and Dragons sixth edition uses metric system, calling it now. I would not be surprised. I'm sure that I'm sure that the 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 marketing data analytics will definitely show that there would be uh, a benefit to changing over to the metric system. Which one will sell the most widgets? Metric. Um, oh, there you go. I've got, let's see here. I've got AD&D second edition. I've got 3.5 and four, I think. That was uh, when I was trying to get into uh, a certain company that folded up backwards uh, because they got bought out to by another company that had no fucking idea what they were doing. I own zero D and D books. You don't even. I guess yeah. We we just played with mine. Anyways, uh, Blaine says, "I wonder if digital services like Roll Twenty incorporate metric measurements." Ooh. I'm sure they do. I mean, I, there, there's Roll Twenty is is going to be international, so there there has to be. But would you have a built-in conversion if you're utilizing? I don't know. God dang it, Blaine! Now you got my brain going. <laughs> is that part of the point? Possibly. Make the brain do stuff. I don't want the brain to do stuff. That's not right. Well, hopefully it doesn't stop remembering how to breathe. That'd be really awkward. I'm going to be totally honest with you. There's a couple times where, you know, you're breathing on your own and then you think about breathing like, oh, fuck, how do I breathe? Like there's that second of, am I breathing? Am I supposed to breathe? Oh, God, I'm dying. I don't think I've ever had that. Okay, Zelius, some of us are just special, okay? Yes. You keep telling yourself that. I would like to make a uh, uh, a quick little PSA to everyone out there. <laughs> Blaine, I legit forgot how to walk before. Dude, same here. There are certain times where I, I, if I second guess myself for just like a second, I have to think, like, I have to then convince myself again. No, dude. It's just your, your body kind of like 
It's like trying to pick up what you think is a full milk jug, but it's empty. It's your brain gets psyched out. Anyways, uh, let me do a quick little PSA. Ladies and gentlemen of the world or the United States or just the state of Georgia, get your vaccine. Wear a mask for the love of all that's holy. Can we please just follow the damn rules so we can go back to some semblance of the before time? But my freedoms. Uh, For those out there who do not follow the National Basketball Association, the NBA, uh, there is a certain gentleman by the name of Kyrie Irving uh, who has decided he's not going to disclose his his vaccination status, which basically means he isn't vaccinated. But of course, he's not not, uh, confirming nor denying. Uh, He plays for a team in New York, and in New York, to get into the stadium where he plays, it is a requirement to show your vaccination information. He refuses, so he will not be playing any of the home games this season. On top of that, there are several other uh, sports arenas that also require this, this article of confirmation, which means that he can't play there either, so he has to sit out. So this gentleman, who was scheduled to make $33 million is going to lose a huge chunk of change because he has to pay all these fines for being fit to play but choosing not to or not able to play. Uh, And I'm sorry to say that after everything is said and done, from that 33, he's only going to make $19.5 million. My heart. It goes out to him, man. I I don't know how he's going to make it. Blaine says, so uh, he's only playing in the southern states, basically, and some of the Midwest. <laughs> yeah. No, they benched him. For, no, he's um, – Brooklyn's put him on ice for the season. Did they finally – Yep. Instead of playing this game of, you know, will he practice, won't he practice, will he play, won't he play? I, I, know, I know that they've removed the they – were, they were thinking about picking up his option, but that shit's gone. No, my understanding is they basically told him he can just sit at home. From my understanding, that well, the last time I heard is that uh, when you want to come play, you can come play, but we're we're moving on without you. Yeah. Which I think is the smart move, honestly. Yes. All right. Thinking of smart moves, or maybe not smart moves, ladies and gentlemen, there's this beautiful thing called giving, getting your claim for fame. And there is a certain individual by the name of Billy Mitchell uh, who has uh, some claim to fame, and then it was ripped from him, and then he's kind of gotten reinstated. Billy Billy Mitchell, uh, for those out there who say, hmm, this this guy sounds familiar. Billy Mitchell supposedly achieved the perfect score in Pac-Man, which, of course, for those out there who don't know, is 3,333,000. 360. And of course, he was then put into two different uh, systems. There is the Twin Twin Galaxies and Guinness World Book, Guinness World Records. The title of uh, achieving the perfect score, of course, was stripped from him when it was discovered that he was using a MAME. For those that who do not know what M-A-M-E stands for, that is a multiple arcade machine emulator. 
So it was not technically done on the original hardware. Now, Guinness Book of World Records uh, gave the title back to him in 2018, and Twin Galaxy has yet to give it back. And so in 2019, he, uh, Mitchell, uh, filed a suit against them, and then they retaliated with another suit. And just a couple days ago, the state of California's second appellate court has basically said um, they are going to let Billy Mitchell continue to sue Twin Galaxies. Hmm. Okay. I mean, I, I, I personally have not had that, like, moment in the spotlight and then had it ripped away from me, and then people badmouth me. Apparently, if you go to Billy Mitchell's website, there I don't know if it's still there, but there was like this whole kind of editorial that he wrote about how he was wronged. Which okay. I've, I've always been wronged like my entire life. So I think you should actually just get over it personally. Be careful with that. What the fact that I've been wrong my entire life? No, no, yet, no. That uh, you you say that you say that someone who feels like they've been wrong should just get over it. Well, no. I mean, I'm being, I'm being a little bit facetious, ladies and gentlemen. I, I I hope that you understand that there are a million and five different interpretations of anything and everything someone says. Hopefully, you understand the context. And you if, misinterpreted what I said, man. If if you don't, I apologize. I am sorry that you did not get the context. But if you would like to have an open dialogue, Zelius or I would love to chit-chat with you to clear up any misgivings. I'm, I'm basically, I'm in CYA mode, okay? I don't know. Maybe they should take like four words that we said out of context and uh, let us know that we're terrible people. Oh, believe me. It, if I were to listen to this, I'm sure I could take something so superly out of context if I was looking for it. And unfortunately there are individuals out there who that's all, that's what they do. They live on trying to find shit out of context. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Zelius, do you think how much gaming of new world do you think you're going to get in uh, before next Thursday? A couple hours. A couple hours. I plan on beating Nino Cooney too before next show. Since I went from eight hours to over fifty, I better fucking beat it. Yeah, quite the aspirations, sir. But like I said, okay, real quick. Me- oh, Metroid Dread. I want to play that so bad. And it's it's on my it's on my to do list. Shit, I've got so many freaking games on my to-do list. Well, yeah, it's not Zelius's cup of tea. It's okay, Zelius. I'll have you know. Huh? I prefer my coffee over my tea. I'll have you know anyways. Oh, shit. You said cup of coffee. My bad. See? Look, I took the... I, I, I made an assumption. I made an ass out of you and me. And, you know, it's a story of my life. Yes. Well, anyways, uh, ladies and gentlemen, um... We have reached the end of our show. Uh, so one more, uh, once again, if you're interested in finding out about some really cool, awesome uh, tabletop RPG playing, definitely check out Nurburger Con. 
which of course is happening this Saturday through Sunday. That's the 16th and the 17th. Uh, but with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank everyone for tuning in to the Ultra Confusion Thursday Night Hangout. For myself, Charlie, and Zelius, it's been a pleasure giving everything from our heads, our mouths, and of course, our hearts. We'll be back next Thursday for another Ultra Confusion Thursday Night Hangout. Remember, kids, keep on gaming in the free world. Amen to that, brother. <laughs>